Hello and welcome back to the Specky and Paul Talk Detailing Podcast. We are the Rod Hull and Emu of the UK Detailing Community. This is Season 2, Episode 14, A Chat with Pan the Organiser. Really looking forward to this one coming up. I am detailing content creator and all-round car care enthusiast Specky McSporran and I'm joined as always by my good friend, co-host and despiser of elderly drivers, Mr. Paul Dolden. It's all true, it's all true, I can't deny it. Uh, hello and welcome back to another very, very exciting uh, edition of the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, uh, mm. This is going to be a special, so brace yourselves for a 90-minute, um, what can I say, a 90-minute audio of audio delight <laughs> you could have you could have you could have picked any other kind of descriptive word i think it's the heat it's getting but you went with that it, one it's the heat mate it, it's getting to me um sadly no sponsor <laughs> this week no sponsor whatsoever because we are in for a 90 minute special as i just said um but i have got a little bit of news we both we both have a little little bit of news uh the first of all is detailing related um, had a lovely delivery from the Mile Deep, yes, the Mile Deep Club. That's not a club, it's actually a brandy. <laughs> Mile Deep uh, reached out to me, Jody reached out to me and sent me a load of products, like the biggest box you've ever seen. Lots and lots of products and accessories to uh, come up for review. You might... Is this in addition to the last delivery you got from the... <laughs> Yeah, I've got to say, guys, I am pretty much snowed under now. I'm kind of turning people away. Um, because the extreme heat, even as we're recording this, it's 26 degrees. It's been balmy weather, even in yeah. the land of the Scots. It's been rather warm, to say the least. It's, it's been incredible. I'm drinking an ice cream float as we speak. I'm dripping onto my <laughs> laptop. So if something goes fizz and bang, it's, it's the sweat being dripped off from my lip and my brow. Um, it's very, very warm. <laughs> I've actually just come off the beach. It's actually glorious down there. There's a nice sea breeze, but... In the, uh, in the comfort of my living room, it's rather warm, even with the back door open. So, hence the reason not much content being produced lately because of the extreme heat, and I'm under increasing pressure from work because there's lots and lots of work being done uh, on the railways at the moment, so I'm sort of taking advantage of that. But the deliveries are mounting. Don't worry, we will be back on YouTube. Um, in social news, I have... This is more like a... Well, it's, it's more of a safety bulletin, really. Um... My wife drives every day. I, I drive every day, but she doesn't often... Is, is that the safety bulletin? My wife drives, so uh, stay off the roads. Well, we are steering towards that, <laughs> uh, Specky. Um, we went to a wedding um, a wedding reception um, Saturday evening. Went to a wedding reception. It was very nice. Congratulations to Jordan and Rachel, if you're listening. And um, Samantha said to me, oh, it's Saturday. You've actually got Saturday off. You can have a beer in the garden. Really? Shouldn't have said that. Um, three or four beers later, um, she was obviously driving. Now, I actually looked at my car. Me and my car have secret conversations. And the conversation from the Skoda went like this to me. It said, really? You're letting her drive? <laughs> After last time? <laughs> I haven't forgiven you. <laughs> now, for some unknown reason, um, Samantha struggles with diesels. Um, diesels are quite talky. You drive a diesel, didn't you? Uh, mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. really talky. Now, the Metro, obviously, you have to rev it to 9,000. When it works, yeah. Well, yeah, when it decides to work, you have to rev it to about 9,000 revs before it even moves. And um, we sort of k- kangarooed down the road. And uh, she could, or she, even though her eyes were facing forward, she knew I was pulling a face. So she automatically knew <laughs> when she'd missed the gearbox about 15 times. Could, Stop pulling the face. Stop pulling the face. Now, the, the safety bulletin is that only 
only, only let your wife drive if you're three sheets to the wind. Obviously, obviously <laughs> because of legal reasons. We all know the drink driving laws, but it's the yes. only time you should let your other half drive is because it makes it bearable. Because by the time I got to the pub, I was really in need of a drink. Oh, my God. Anxiety <laughs> levels were through the roof. And in your head, you're going around the first corner. You're going, yeah, that's not your fourth, fourth gear bend. No. <laughs> down, down to second like an old person. <laughs> and the poor Skoda's going, Paul, please, please take over. No, you're just going to have to suffer it. You're going to have to suffer it. And we, did, you know, we eventually got there. And I caught the bus back from the curb. Um, <laughs> I was late to the reception. Uh, I said, you, you, you know, you can pull up a bit further if you. No, it's fine here. I said, well, you might want to get a little bit. And the, the, the alloys are just going. No, please mind that <laughs> curb. I'm thinking. So far, touch wood, my wheels are spotless and they should remain like that. But we got there. And she goes, oh, I hate driving that car. I thought, well, I'm not even going to answer that. Because <laughs> I was a wreck, you know, my makeup had ran, my hair was a mess, <laughs> go straight to the gents, order a couple of shots at the bar. So there, that was my that was my Saturday evening, and um, I'm actually going back to work very shortly after this podcast. So um, yeah, completely sober now, I've, I've got over it, a little bit of a hangover this morning, a little bit of the old wedding hangover, always have a little bit of a hangover after a wedding bash. Um it's always weird because when you go to a pub, I always sort of you know, look along the the beer pumps and think, well, what have you, you know, what have you got that's half decent? And if the ales are no good, it's it's going to have to be Guinness. It's always Guinness. No, Guinness isn't an ale; it's a stout. Gotta say that it's a, it's a safe bet. It, I like it, your thinking. It's, actually, it's, it's a safe it's, bet. You know, it's always that that safety. You know, if there's nothing else, what can I have? It's got to be. Yeah. You just then you know where you stand when you're drinking Guinness, you know. Yeah, you you kind of do, but to me, it's like my son had been there all day, uh, and there was another. The best man was there, and his other half was there, and I was stood near, and she said, um, "How many is that you've had?" And and Harvey's other half, she's you know she's got the calculator out, she's starting to add them up, and I always said to him, I said, <laughs> "Father and son, the golden rule: you never count beers, never <laughs> count." Um, but yeah, we had a lovely evening. It was really nice. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's my safety bulletin to all the males out there. Um, if you want to let your wife drive, make sure you're three sheets to the wind. Makes it more um, enjoyable or t- in or is it tolerable? Tolerable. Yes, tolerable. tolerable. That's yes. the word. We'll so yeah, that. that's my news. <laughs> Detailing and social out the way. What have lovely. you been up to? <clears throat> Let's see. Um, went to the um, the Tariff Show, which is the second largest agricultural show in the UK, believe it or not. Uh, it's been on the go for, God, at least 150-odd years. Um, it's always a big event up here in Aberdeenshire. It's a, it's a big, big deal, big, huge show. People are coming from all over the world. So uh, it was fantastic to get down and see that, especially because for the last two years we haven't had it. Um, I think I've become slightly sunburned because didn't expect the sun, you know, because Aberdeenshire <laughs> expects yeah, the she, sun you, on a big show day. You know what I mean? Every time you've been to a show, I mean, either, well, it normally rains or snows, but you do have yeah. the complexion of an Arctic ceiling. You're not exactly, I, you're not exactly um, sun-kissed. No, 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 no. Um, the phrase we would use up here is peely-wally. 
Um, if you're peely wally, you're about as pale as you can get, and uh, I am very typically peely wally. So um, yeah, a little bit of sunshine and um, no, 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 no tan. What's a tan? It's burn, <laughs> burn and die. Um, <laughs> bit dramatic, but that's how it is. Um, so I did that. Also managed to film a video, believe it or not. Um, had to film it in my garage because it was warm and sunny outside then raining profusely then warm and sunny then raining and you know you just couldn't really predict it so i had to film a video uh 10 different spray well not not all spray but 10 different sealants this is a shootout Ooh. on uh, on a test panel and i was really looking forward to this one because it's interesting you and i we test products like these all the time but we don't really test them alongside another one do we we just we test the one thing and then say, yeah, that's good. No, that's bad. Whatever, and move on. Yeah, we don't do it like a. But we don't really fifty-fifty or you know. No, we don't do a fifty-fifty. No. How often would we do that? I split my test panel into ten sections. I cut up a microfiber into ten different pieces, so there would be no overlap, no cross contamination of any sort, and I applied them all. I also put something on my Instagram asking, I showed the 10 products that were up for test, and I asked the uh, followers, what do you think died first? Yeah, you, Very, yeah you asked me this, didn't well, you? Yeah. I got it wrong. Yeah, it yeah, that's right. Wrong. Yeah. You did. It, it seems that lots of people have a certain opinion about certain brands, and it's not always justified but you gotta remember when you watch this video and it, it hopefully should be available to view by the time this podcast goes live but if you guys keep in mind that my experiences are based on my panel the paint quality the paint temperature the the condition of it and so on the temperature of the garage or wherever i'm applying it all these different things there's lots and lots of different uh, things that could impact how well these products behave do not just take it as read that the performance I get is exactly the same as the performance you are going to get. There are always these little bits on, and pieces of influential um, topics, influential uh, matters that could change the behavior. So don't take it as read that when you see some of the top performance in my one, that that's exactly how you're going to get it because the type of paint you use it on, whether it's single stage paint or if it's two pack paint, how well uh, decontaminated it is, you know, and the temperature, all these things are contributing factors to this. So do keep that in mind. But I'm really interested to see what people think of this when they see the winners, because I honestly don't think anybody is going to be able to pick the winner just from looking at the, you know, the lineup at the very beginning. Yeah, but I think people video. have a, a real strong point of view when it comes to brands, don't they? They just go, well, yeah, there's well a certain, we all know um, that this one's going to win because it's the biggest name. and That's it, yeah. you know, or, or there's a bias. You're going to look at some of them and you're going to see one of them in there and you're going to go, <laughs> that one hasn't got a chance. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is going to change people's minds a little bit. I think this is going to turn them that's on why we watch them. a little that's bit. That's why we like the tests. They're good. Absolutely. Yeah. And and honestly, I didn't expect these to, to perform the way they did. I didn't expect to see the differences that I did. I was genuinely surprised and I was learning just as you guys will be learning when you watch it. So really looking forward to that one going out. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's most of my news. I've got some more footage coming up later, although I've just realized one of my videos may have to be put off because my beginner's machine polisher is dying. Oh dear. So that's uh, always nice. Um, might need to source a replacement. Need to start, we'll see you about need that to repeat one. that. And, um, I, I said I might need to source a replacement machine <coughs> polisher, standard throw, 8mm, basic, bog standard machine polisher, dual action. Thank you very much. Discount code. <coughs> <laughs> any, any and all discount vouchers, greatly appreciated. If I can, if I can you know, use the code Paul10 for... Or Specky90. Nope. <laughs> Wouldn't that wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yes, I'll take that. Thanks very much. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's time to welcome our guest, Pandelis Moscopolis, also known as or better known as Pan the Organizer. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us. So this has been a, a bit of a big deal for us. We've been Looking forward to doing this for a long time, and we, well, I don't know about say we, but I certainly did a bit of a deep dive and research into you, so I'm hoping that the questions are going to be half decent here at least. Um, but you've been someone who's been on YouTube since 2016, and certainly on our radar since you appeared and started making waves. Um, so it's not that uh, you're completely new to us, and I'm sure you're not new to most of our community. Um, but for those who don't know your channel and, and who you are and what you do, how would you describe yourself and your content to potential new listeners or, or mm. viewers? That, that, that's a good one. Well, essentially, uh, the, the channel is focused mainly on car detailing tutorials, uh, product reviews, demonstrations, uh, tool and equipment and that kind of stuff. So basically, uh, anything I can do to share my passion and knowledge uh, for detailing with anybody out there, regardless if they're uh, beginners, weekend warriors, or even uh, professionals. I've been detailing cars for roughly 25 years now. I started when I was 16 years old, and it's still one of my life's biggest passions. I would even call it an obsession at this point. So uh, yeah, anything to do with car detailing. If, if people want to learn uh, how to do stuff uh, and do it in the comfort of their own home, but with all the confidence and knowledge that they, uh, they need to accomplish a task, because it can seem complicated at first, but when you understand the basics, so that's one of my goals is for people to understand what they're doing and why they're doing things. I think you're more inclined to want to go out out there and basically enjoy doing it because for me it's it's so it's such a soothing experience and I hear that often from from fellow detailers as well is it, it's such a relaxing experience if you you get to forget about your daily woes and you focus on getting your car cleaner and there's something about seeing the end result and driving a clean car that really pushed me to want to share the, this passion that I have with a bunch of people around the world yeah I think I think that's a, a common thing in in many youtubers or at least it is certainly for myself and paul we we thought about this down the educational route these reviews are to help people get into it because we've seen the benefits of it um i, I believe you've also talked about it, the mental health benefits of it the the, the therapeutic nature of detailing as well Yes, absolutely. Because um, very often, 
while people have busy lives, life can get hectic, right? Especially in this post-pandemic world with uh, supply shortages, people losing their jobs, inflation that's coming and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people were looking for outlets, I believe, um, to, to find ways to be able to, to just switch their mind off from their issues that they might be having in their life or their, their busy schedules, their hectic family lives, uh, what have you not. And um, to get into something, a hobby that will allow them to either have a relaxing moment and a one-to-one -one with their vehicle because a lot of guys out there who watch our videos are passionate car people to start with yeah. and uh, then it can eventually also become a livelihood for somebody out there so there's a lot of people who maybe lost their jobs or what they're doing currently they're not too happy with and they're looking for something else and when they realize that hey I actually love doing stuff on my car and cleaning it and get, and I, I clean other people's ho uh, cars, uh, either family members or friends and things like that. And maybe this can become a, a job for me at a full, full time or even part time. And so they start looking on YouTube and they find all these channels and with all the information that's out there today, you can have such a, um, a fast track to starting your own business. Uh, I think that's amazing. We didn't have that 20 years ago. I mean, YouTube didn't even exist 20 years ago. It is a, vi it's a visual dictionary, isn't it? And I think, um, when I watch your videos, Pan, if I if there's a new product out, and if because obviously we get deliveries of products and we do a similar thing, uh, product reviews and the occasional tutorials. And when I see a product, I think I know who's going to have done this. I know he's going to do it because <laughs> I'll, I'll reach onto YouTube and I see one of your videos. I go, I'm I'm going to watch this because I know you're going to talk sense. And then I can go back on the product and think, yeah, that happened to me. And you know, I've got that thing in common and I think that's great as a part of a community as well not only are you reaching out to all these other people the general public you're actually reaching out to the, the detailing community and the YouTubers like ourselves it is one big happy family and I think one of the questions I was going to ask you is how do you actually deal with any negativity um, as far because I know you I said this to Specky before he came on one thing I've noticed about you is you always return comments you always interact with your audience and that video might have had 300,000 views and I always think, oh, he's, you know, he's not going to be worried about me, but straight away I'll get a notification and there's interaction there and I think that's so important. Yeah. So how do you actually deal with any negativity in, in, in that? Well, first off, for the, uh, thank you for highlighting the comments that I actually replied to because I, I pride myself in um, taking time to connect with the audience and I think one of the ways that you can do that is really um, take time to personally reply to every YouTube comment and since day one it has been my mission to as much as possible reply to everyone which I do even still to this day uh, despite the channel's huge size of audience I get thousands of comments every day and people don't often realize that I can spend up to four hours daily just sitting down in front of the computer and replying to YouTube comments because I want to connect now don't get me wrong it does get overwhelming at times because like like I say, I have to cut down on family time and, and time with friends and other endeavors in my in my life to be able to do that. But I feel it's a way I can connect. And obviously to touch on that, that negative point, that's a sad part of any social media today is that there are a lot of people leaving, leading sad lives or who have dissatisfaction with the, the way they live their own things. And they like to go out there and spew that negativity mm -hmm. on others and try to bring other people down. But that's usually a sign of unsuccessful individuals and people who have issues with their own personal lives. And instead of addressing those, they'll take time and we call those keyboard warriors, right? They'll, they'll jump on a keyboard. They hide behind the identity of a fake username or they don't even have their picture or yeah. real name out there as a username. And they'll just fire off anything that comes to their mind to try and bring others mm -hmm. down who are doing good things for, for the community. And it's sad, but you, you do have to, um, 
to kind of have a thick shell and be able to, to tune that out. So of course, when you begin, it always, it's shocking when you see the first negative comments come in and, and the bigger the channel gets, the more haters obviously will come. It comes with the territory. So I think you just have to try and tune it out. We're still human beings. I mean, I want to be treated by with respect because I like to treat people with respect. And so when, when it happens that people are just nasty, if it's uncalled for and just nasty, there, was, there are ways of dealing with that. And, and thankfully, YouTube has provided tools with creators because we've been complaining for a long time now that uh, mental health portion is important. And we as creators, we try and do good things for, for our communities and our, in our niches, um, detailing, for example. So we want this to be a positive experience for people and we don't have time for negativity. So I, I try and tune that out as much as possible and just focus on the people who are there for the good reasons so people who want to learn or or share the the same passions as we are i must admit i get i get that when i watch your videos they're always positive they're always you know this is what i'm going to show you and this is how it works this is the end result this is where you can get it from it's all it's very instructional but it's also entertaining at the same time and and people forget how long it takes to make these videos and then if you spend two days doing a video and then the first comment is ludicrous it it kind of mm, yeah. It doesn't make you feel great, does it? No, absolutely. Don't People don't realize that um, often if I take myself, for example, a video can take anywhere from 10 to 15 hours to produce. And as you guys might know, I also produce videos in French. So I have to restart everything twice. So making one video alone is very, very complicated and long and takes a lot of energy. So imagine restarting everything a second time for another language. Like I'm the only one in the space that does this, yet I'm not the only one who speaks more than a language. So it goes to show just how um, tough and complicated it is. So you really, really have to enjoy what you're doing. And of course, it, it hurts if somebody just watches a 10 second clip of your 15, 20 or 30 minute video that you spend so many hours on and uh, they don't even give it time of day to, to, to see what goes into the video or what's actually in the video. They don't really listen and they just like skipping. So you're not getting the full story and they don't want to give you a chance, which I mean, it's all right. Not everybody will click with every single YouTuber. That's where there's so many hundreds of detailing channels out there uh, today in, in every single country. So you can always find somebody that you can connect with. So that's one of the good things. But um, it would have been nice if somebody like, just doesn't like your personality or doesn't like your videos, yeah. just move on. You don't have to, to waste your time dropping a negative comment and if only uh, exactly just move on to something better you, you know guys, the way nice? i the way i see um my youtube channel is basically like my house so for me i'm inviting uh people over to come into the house and to share stories experiences try products discuss about different topics and exchange on something that we all enjoy now imagine somebody knocking on your front door you open the door and they'd start swearing and cussing at you you suck your video isn't good what are you doing man you don't know what you're doing well you wouldn't invite that person in right well i think the same goes with a youtube channel what we're trying to do is have communities around us that that share the same passion and want to to learn stuff or at least be entertained by the videos we put out there so that's that's one reason why i'm positive like in life what you if you meet me in in person and you see me in my videos i'm the exact same so there's no youtube persona what you see is what you get and i'm a very positive individual and i made a decision consciously when i started my channel to be very positive and to share just positive things if i don't like something i will not do a video about it and that has been my philosophy since day one there's enough negativity out there and enough channels like not detailing alone but in in, in any field that like to bash people and like to put down things and for me I view it as if I have a negative experience with with a a product well 
that's me, right? Some other person might enjoy it and, 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 uh, and really like that product. So who am I to tell them not to get that? And it could put, it could potentially put that company in a difficult situation and there are actual human beings working for that company and, uh, they need that bread and butter to feed their families as well. So for me, it's like test the products, regardless of which YouTuber you follow, um, go out there, have fun. Even before I started my own channel, I used to run my own tests, uh, buy a bunch of different products. I have spent countless, I, it's like, I don't even count anymore how much I've spent over the decades in detailing products and supplies, but I like to run my own test and come to my own conclusions because sometimes it's dependent on many factors. As you guys know, temperature conditions, what experience level you have, Absolutely. Um, what environment you're in, what kind of maintenance you're performing. So it might vary from one individual to another. So take like go and watch multiple sources. That's another thing I tell my viewers. Don't only take it from one individual, but go to different channels and see uh, different opinions, different takes. You're going to see your, we're lucky enough now where we can connect with different countries around the world. So you can see how that product might uh, react in Montreal, Canada uh, versus London in the UK uh, versus uh, South Africa versus uh, like any other uh, country that has different conditions or conditions identical to yours where you live. So it's very cool that that it's all accessible with a click of a button. Absolutely, I'm I'm a huge uh, proponent of that. Is is I've said this many times. Don't just take my word, my review, uh, you know, conclusion as the only review option, the only conclusion that's available. Go and check out others because these are my experiences. Exactly. So that that's a very very good point, and especially again when it comes back to the the negativity. I think we all experience that, regardless of your channel size. We Paul and I have definitely had our fair share of trolls and you know people kind oh, of yeah. trying to trying to stir up something you know trying to start a bit of drama or just trying to be negative and you know you, yeah. as you said you have to have a thick skin in situations like that but you know we get that very very small we expect someone like yourself to get it because the more subscribers you have the more youtube is pushing you out there the more you're going to be seen so you are going to attract a wide audience and some of them are going to be negatives so exactly it's definitely to see that but we see that even from a very small perspective our small channels we see the same thing but talking about channel size i wanted to talk about this quickly you have passed three quarters of a million subscribers since your channel started in 2016 yep. how does it feel to have so many people that want to see your videos in what is a quite a niche subject it is insane because, um, yeah, like you said, we're, we're getting close to 800,000 subscribers. So on our road to a million and, and in that also amassed a hundred million views along the way. Um, and when I started the channel, it was never in a, in an objective to either, um, get to that amount of, of subscribers. And it was really just to, to share my passion. And, and it's actually my girlfriend. If you see my life story video on my channel, where I explain how it got to this point, uh, she was watching me look at all these other detailing channels. And she's like, listen, I can see you spend up to 12, 13, 14 hours on end in the garage. You don't even take a break to go pee or drink any water. I haven't seen anybody do that. And you're so passionate. You talk about products and detailing and all that stuff all the time. Why don't you start your own channel and start sharing all of that with people? So that got me thinking. And um, eventually we decided on the name together. She was like, well, obviously you have to call yourself Pan the organizer because I like to organize everything in my life, whether it's the, the house 
us, the finances, the budgeting, cleaning the home, uh, cleaning the vehicles. I I just, I'm OCD on having everything clean and proper and organized. So I thought it was a a natural fit. So initially I, I didn't know it would be detailing alone. That's why I didn't call myself Panda Detailer. So I was doing like uh, vlogs on traveling. I was doing things on how to clean um, appliances in your home, how to make your own um, home cleaners for cleaning stuff around the house, how to make a budget and that kind of stuff. And I did a few car detailing videos and lo and behold, those are the ones that really exploded. So I told myself, oh, it seems that people are connecting with my passion for that. So let me dive uh, deeper into the topic and and grow the channel and so a year uh, a year into having the uh, the channel started 10,000 subscribers and a million views the year after it exponentially grew to 100,000 subscribers and 10 million views 2 years into it and uh, it so it, it like it it ballooned so I was really, I noticed that I was connecting with, with people around the world and um, it, it was super fun to see the the positivity and my, I call them the Pan, the organizer family. They've, a lot of them have been there since day one supporting me and it's just been this this crazy, insane journey. And I remember my dad, when I first started my my channel, he was like, listen, you, you have this education because I, I have a background in medicine, molecular biology and biochemistry in university. And he says, you're going to put that aside to start like making car washing videos. I, he was kind of disappointed <laughs> and, and didn't understand this. But I, I, you I went was, to medical uh, school a, and now you're a, a volunteer. Exactly. So I told him, dad, this is not car washing. First of all, you would insult all the detailers out there. So this is very different. Detailing is about the details and restoring vehicles or making them um, look better than you and protecting them and all that kind of stuff. So I told him, listen, you know, I never start something uh, without giving it my 200%. Give me some time and you'll see what I think I can do with this. And today he's like super proud. Oh yeah, my, my son, he's this like YouTuber. He has all these people watching him. I can't believe it. And I also thought nobody would watch car detailing uh, videos as much as they do. And, and there's been a lot more since. And it's nice to see this community actually growing exponentially because Now I know that regardless of which thing you're passionate about in life, there will be a YouTube channel about it. And take, for example, I did a podcast a few years ago with a bunch of guys and one of them who has like almost 2 million subscribers on his channel is a woodworking channel. So he shares his passion of woodworking and lo and behold, there's this huge community of people who share the same passion. So when I see people who say, you know what, like I'm passionate about this topic, but I don't know if I should start a YouTube channel because who's going to tune in to watch it? I'm like, well, I don't know anybody around me who takes 15 hours to clean their car like I do. So, and look at where I am today. There are definitely people who share the same passion as you do, regardless of which topic or field you're in and who are curious to know more about it. And that's the beauty of YouTube. You can dive into whatever topic you enjoy and dig down that rabbit hole as far as you can go. That's exactly it. And I think that Paul said quite rightly, YouTube is like the visual dictionary. If there's something you're interested in, you're going to go look on YouTube and you're pretty much going to find a video, a creator somewhere that is talking about that particular topic, that particular passion of yours or whatever it might be, that thing that you're into. So I, but it's funny that, you know, your your father at the beginning there said, you know, what are you doing? You're just washing cars. (laughs) I I think that the older generation doesn't get it, you know, and, and that's funny. I think I had this very same situation with my father the same idea. Who's going to want to watch that? You would be surprised. And it's really interesting. I, there was a really popular channel which has nothing to do with anything in general. It's a it's a hydraulic press channel. 
and it literally is about crushing things with a hydraulic press. Mm-hmm. And they are rolling in the the views, the subscribers. It's insane. But again, it's it's this guy just decided one day people might want to watch stuff being crushed. Wouldn't that be yep. fun? Because he found it fun. Immediately, he clicked with a massive audience, and he's an enormous channel now. So it really does go to show that although we're in a very niche subject, and perhaps it's not the most popular topic, there is still a community there. And as you say, you've got your your family of followers. We have a a sort of similar situation with our uh, our subscribers on our YouTube channels and also on our Instagram because we're very, very... Uh, involved with instagram so we have a very good close community there that's always again it's it's all supporting each other like you said before it's 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 uh, harnessing that positivity to help each other out and then you are going to get someone who comes along and said well this is stupid and immediately the community is going to come in and shoot them down you know but it it really is interesting to see that it happens everywhere because you are not as involved on the social media side of things as you are in your channel and you still get a huge amount of, as you say, you've got your regulars who were there from day one as well. Yeah, it's it's very hard to um, to grow the other social media platforms if you're because for me, I have to focus on what I believe in the most, and for me, it's the, the YouTube channel has always been the most important, and it is very hard to understand how to grow all the other platforms as well. Because yeah, I'm on Instagram, and on those, I think I have over sixty five thousand followers right now. Um, yeah. I started a TikTok channel not too long ago. I have the Facebook, but obviously the the YouTube is the is where the place where I focus my most attention on because that's what I. I kind of studied a year before I got into YouTube. I went to other channels that show you how to start a channel, how to grow a channel, the good practices. I took notes and I kind of learned of how to do video editing because I knew nothing of that, what camera gear, what equipment I needed. So I'm very well versed in YouTube language and uh, the tags, the keywords, the titles, the thumbnails, all that kind of stuff. There's so much to learn. And even today, nobody cracked the code about the, the algorithm and how it works. Um, and so for me learning the other platforms as well, I know I couldn't focus my entire energy. So I do it more on a, if I have time kind of thing. But what's cool about the other platforms is that some people might not have success on YouTube, for example, but they can blow up on TikTok, which has, uh, it's this new budding platform and there, it's another way to share content because there it's more short term. So 10, 15, 30 second mini clips, and you have to be very entertaining in a very short amount of time. And so that's a talent. It's a different talent, I think, than what you need to be successful on YouTube. So you might be successful on one platform and not on the other, but don't get discouraged. You will eventually find if you have a certain talent and a way to connect with people, you'll find the right platform for you. It'll be quite obvious. I think where people like following you the most. Definitely. I've, I've looked into the, the TikTok side of things and I find it much harder to come up with content that would be useful for that platform versus what I put out on my videos. Uh, because, you know, my videos, I tend to be someone who goes into a bit more information, a bit more detail. And I like to deliver that detail because I'm the kind of person that wants that detail. So in essence, I kind of make videos for myself. Exactly. But I know that there are other people out there who think like I do. So I put the content out there like that. I would... I, I just can't I, I think I'm too old for TikTok I think that's what I was, it is I was going to say that <laughs> yeah. I think there is that term that, that term the, t- the TikTok generation and I think that's the problem I'm, I'm 51 and I would rather shoot a video than wave my phone around and do you know some sort of silly clip and uh, I just like to hit record and then I'll do multiple shots you know and um, that's that's how I do my videos but there definitely is a there is a the gap is getting bigger between the TikTok generation and, and people of the older 
section. Also, and, and we are the old uh, men. Really you're right. You're right. Because <laughs> case in point, if I look at, um, and, and shout out to her, Jessica Tran, she's the biggest detailing TikToker in the world with almost 2 million followers. And uh, she is young. She's dynamic. And the way she films her stuff is, I don't know if you know her, but it, it's mind boggling and it's well fitted for that kind of format. So... Um, yeah, she, she's doing quite well and she's connecting with that, that younger audience that is on TikTok and that likes to consume, I think, the content at a quicker rate, swipe and move on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, compared to YouTube, where not, when I do a video, I don't set a certain amount of time for a, for a video clip. I just, and I have no script, so I, I press record. And if it takes 20 minutes to deliver my message, it's 20 minutes. If it takes 40 minutes, it's going to be 40 minutes. So I think people who like uh, viewing YouTube are a very different kind of audience compared to what is on, on TikTok currently. At least that's, that's what I understand or, or observe because the, the people who have a lot of success on TikTok don't necessarily translate the same thing on YouTube and vice versa as well. Like you can have the, the biggest channel, uh, on YouTube in the world and your TikTok channel won't, won't grow as much because it's not the same kind of content that you're delivering. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I do know who Jessica Tran is. I've, I've been, directed to her tiktoks and honestly it's not the kind of content that i want to consume i think the trouble is with tiktok for me i i again i'm i'm looking for more information i'm looking for more detail so that's why youtube is my my preference mm -hmm. or even instagram because there is slightly longer form content there yes people can put up videos they can put up lives and so on and show me a few things um and so i i don't really go to tiktok when it comes to detailing stuff that's not really my thing i've tried a couple of things but it's not my thing i'm looking for more information so it really is a generational thing as you say people want to get that sort of instant gratification get on there show me what it is now get out of the way and show me the next thing uh, and, and you guys, I can say too that in, in the UK, if I can give a shout out to a few of, of my friends in the, the YouTube community, you guys have a yep. lot of good YouTube channels about detailing. So, of course, you, Specky McSporn, uh, there's Paul, of course, Paul Dalton Details, John Delier from uh, Forensic Detailing Channel, Joe from Car Cleaning Guru, uh, Jim yep. from White Details, David from Epic Car Show, Adam from AM Details, there's Craig from Staffordshire Car Care. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, but all of those channels I follow regularly. And I want to see um, what's being done. Uh, what's the, the new and greatest in a different country? How do people do stuff? I'm always intrigued. So people ask me, aren't you tired when you're done with your YouTube? You still follow others? Absolutely. I have like probably a list of 50 channels that I like to follow and listen uh, on a regular basis and, and just see what is being done out there. What uh, fellow YouTubers are producing? What, what are the trends that are happening? Are there any products that I've missed that I need to, to test and try and, and, and things of that nature? So yeah. So there's, there's a spot for everyone as well. If you notice, everybody has a different personality and everybody does their own thing and has their, their place in the space. Mm -hmm, definitely. So, so away from YouTube and away from car cleaning, something I wanted to ask you, Pan, yeah. um, how do you relax? What's your other passion? How do you actually spend your time? If you're away from the cameras, away from the laptop, just forget the whole car cleaning thing. How do you actually relax? Is it family time? Do you have a sport you play? Um, do, you, do you do walking? Because I know my biggest passion is walking. I love walking. And we have a couple of dogs, and that's how I relax away from doing cars. Yes. Um, well, that's another big rabbit hole I'm going to dive into because I have a lot of passions that I, that I get into. So I'm a big home theater guy and, um, uh, any equipment related to that kind of stuff. I have hi-fi. So watching and listening to, to music on a high quality setup. I absolutely love, uh, so a stereo setup. I have a crazy headphones oh, we'd, collection. We'd get on very, 
we'd get on really well. <laughs> I was going to say that one. That's, my, that's another crazy right, world. Let's do another podcast for another day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and people who lo- who enjoy hi-fi are, are other passionate people. So yeah, I have a headphone collection as well. I have a shoe collection that I started. I'm a passionate person about luxury watches that I, I love collecting. So all that stuff like occupies a lot of my time because I like to do a lot of research and watch videos and other YouTube channels and, and read reviews and go on forums online and, and read about all my passions. And I think uh, I'm just a, a person that's passionate about a lot of things in life. And the more I can dive into something at a deeper level and the more I learn, because I'm always curious by nature, I want to see how things work. I want to see what the next greatest thing is. I'm always on a chase for the next greatest thing. And I noticed that there's a lot of people who share common passions as well and who want to exchange on those topics. So that's one way that I have. And obviously, yeah, spending time with, with family and traveling, that's another one of my passions that I discovered uh, when I met my girlfriend uh, 11 years ago, Isabel. She she really loves and enjoys organizing trips. So that's one way I disconnect is that's the only thing I don't organize in my own life. So when we want to travel to someplace around the world, she'll organize everything from beginning to end. And I just have to wake up every day and she tells me today, this is what we're doing. This is what's on the schedule. And, and I just really appreciate that because I can really turn my mind off and enjoy what I'm doing and forget about everything else. So, um, yeah, I have many, many, I have what I call all the men addictions or the men problems. So cars, electronics, shoes, watches, you name it. It's, it's, it's insane. Do you know what's funny? I was, I was actually thinking about this earlier and, and also just more even now, Paul, I think Pan is somehow a love child of you and I. Because he's got, I, he's got. I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking he's describing me. <laughs> because like this is, he's, this he's is, a, this is really he's worrying. He's really into the car care thing, which is both of us. Yeah. He's a geek because he loves his technology and things like that, which is really me, like more me than you, but still you as well. He's really into, yeah, you know, um, the, the things that you are into as well, the hi-fi and so on, and the headphones and things. I'm thinking this guy, he's. This is why he's so popular. They've been, someone somewhere has created a clone child <laughs> of some of my genes and some of your genes and created Pan. So I think we need to take That's responsibility funny. and say to the world, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Paul, it's yeah. funny that, not- that you touched on the, the hi-fi setup because uh, my passion for, for stereo and music and, and quality music uh, extended itself into my garage. So if you saw a video recently that I made, I even have a hi-fi setup in my garage now. And I have all these acoustic panels that I had my team of uh, people who did my home theater treatment and acoustic panels do my garage as well, not only to have um, better audio when I'm recording videos, but also for the the music that I play in there. So I I brought my craziness into the garage as well. Paul's next holiday is going to be to Montreal. I I didn't want to say anything, but I've got, I've got a 2.1 system. It used to be as a gaming setup and it's now in my garage. It's where all the waxes are on the left hand side. And I play, (laughs) yeah, I think if you, we we, we go to concerts. We went to one recently. We went to Hyde Park in London and went to watch Duran Duran. It was amazing. Nile Rodgers. It was, you know, and it is a huge part of my life. I don't really watch TV I obviously watch YouTube and I listen to music and that's you know my biggest passion and then walking you know me and my wife have tried to keep our fitness levels up our cardio work um we both have bikes but we do try and walk a lot because after covid I was I was really ill with covid and I was in hospital and I thought after that you know it's time to start shaking things up a bit and ever since then we've you know we've tried to leave a 
a relatively clean living life. Although I have another uh, problem, which I'm still trying to work out. I'm, I collect beer bottles. The trouble is, I have to empty them first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, there, there, there's passion in, in pretty much anything you can think of in life. <laughs> I knew that one was going to get in there somehow. You were going to worm that one in there somewhere. And Paul, do you want me to shock you with something? And a lot of people are like, "Are you serious?" So I'm 41 years old, and believe it or not, I have never taken a single drop of alcohol in my life haven't smoked haven't drank not a drop and people are like are you kidding me i'm like no i'm very very serious and uh still to this day like now it's became something of a pride because when i was younger of course all my my teenage friends when i was a teen they would bug me like why aren't you drinking with us come on man have just a beer what, what is it you can you don't even draw a, like a sip of wine what is this and just I, I kept the my my thoughts and my um, my determination to never have a drop of alcohol uh, and, and still to this day it has continued I have no um, sense of attraction to it and yeah so that's that's one little quirky secret thing that not a lot I, of people know I think that's highly commendable and also deserves a round of applause uh, no, also, because <laughs> I also think it's also <laughs> slightly bonkers because yeah there's probably a lot of people out there is this guy crazy <laughs> yeah, what yeah. why it's funny because I'm actually some people's jaws have just dropped I've literally got a bottle of cider here at the side of me that I'm slowly <laughs> quaffing while we're all having this chat see yeah I haven't because I'm, I'm working tonight so I, I can't touch it but wow. it's interesting you know it's, it's, it's a different um, everybody's different and I think yes. the way you channel your passion there's a lot to be said about you as a character because it shows that your strength and determination and willpower, you are going to succeed. There's a lot of people yeah. I know that have tried to give up smoking. They've tried to not, you know, cut down on wine and not touch beer. You know, they've probably lasted a couple of weeks and then they've gone back to it and then they're back out again. So there's a lot to be said about that. If you've set, you set your mind to something, exactly. you really do see it through. You know, and I, I like that. I think that's that's good. And it's very, very very, very rare, especially where yes. I live. And, and you know what, Paul, to, to touch on the topic that you just said, when I when I put my mind to it, I'm very stubborn and will, like my drive level is, is to the next universe. I think, for example, YouTube, um, another shocking thing is I started in 2016 and have never, ever skipped a single week of uploading videos. And I have now two videos a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, but every Saturday morning, that's at least the bare minimum at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I've never skipped a single week and over six years of doing this. And that's one thing I like to, um, to when I help other channels grow and I have a chat with, with the creators, one thing I tell them is, are you consistent? If the answer is no, that's one of the issues why you're not growing. The machine of YouTube needs to be fed consistently. So pick a schedule, pick a time that your audience and, and with analytics, you can see where, when they're there the most and do an upload schedule that you will be able to stick to. If it's once every two weeks, that's fine, but don't skip that. Because for me, it's like, a watching a TV show. So if your TV show is on every Monday night at 8 p.m. and for some reason they skip a week, that's going to be weird, right? You're going to want to watch something else and you might forget yeah. about that show. So you have to be consistent. Consistency is key with any successful channel out there. If you look at the common traits, one of them is consistency. Yeah, so definitely. When you put your mind to it, you you, you can't stop. Yeah. You have to continuously do it. It's a lot of hard work. YouTube for me is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, guys. It's hard. It's it's very hard to keep that consistency. I know Specky has you know, numerous problems with weather and, and work schedule. My work at the moment is very very hectic, and I work a lot of weekends and nights. So by the time it comes around to Friday, I'm completely exhausted. And if the weather's not 
you know, playing ball. If it's too hot, I can't shoot a video. And it, it, it really frustrates me as well. And I, I think Specky's the same. And as small channels like we have, I mean, 21,000. I've just hit 21,000, thank Congrats God. Congrats, that. that's pretty good. a long time. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it, it, and it still is a really burn, a, a real passion that sort of, I think people think because you're not around, you're not bothered about YouTube and you've got all these products that sit in here waiting to be reviewed yes. and waiting to make videos. It's not that. It's, it is literally a timescale thing. And it is a bit frustrating, to be honest. But that's where we move our passion over to the podcast as well because we, me and Specky can still keep that passion going. We can keep the Instagram going, yeah. even though we're not making videos. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we don't really stop. And there's the, the weather thing too in the UK for you guys. Um, like what we hear in Canada is the UK seems to be very gloomy or at least a lot of rain. So you have to tackle the uh, the weather. So for sure, like a garage situation would probably be a lot better, some kind of studio. So there would be some research into how can I continue doing my detailing videos or even perhaps your, your work as well. Uh, if you if you detail for a living, you have to figure a way if you're not mobile and, and you do it from your home, for example. Well, ideally, you'd have a garage like I do. So I detail from my own house. I don't have to go to people's homes, which is what I prefer because I have all my setup and obviously my camera gear and everything. So I have people at this point only come to me. I don't go to people's homes. So it's a lot easier, I guess, to to film content as well. And, and I made my life schedule in a way that I can still have a little bit of family time because my girlfriend usually goes to bed at around 9 p.m. So I go to bed at 4 or 5 a.m. So all that time when she goes to bed until I go to bed, I have time to go in my garage quietly and uh, just enjoy filming content and doing whatever I want without taking time away from family life as much as possible, right? So that's one, yeah. one way I, I found to, to be able to do this and to focus because I knew I would be driven to, to make something successful. And there, it's, it takes so much time and energy. It, it's crazy. There, there's this thing known now as YouTube depression because a lot of content creators, because you have to go at it nonstop and the grind never stops, uh, yeah. you get burnt out. And, and just like any other job, when you put so much energy and, and hours, I don't even count the amount of hours. I must spend at least 110 to 120 hours a week um, on anything YouTube related. It, it has become crazy the amount of time wow. in a day that I dedicate to this. I barely have time to breathe sometimes. So yeah, well, it's, actually, it's insane. That leads me to, to talk about past work pan for a moment here. Um, it, you used to be an automotive journalist. Do you, do you miss that type of work at all? Uh, well, that was always um, what I call side gigs. So I had a lot of passions through life that I was able to do aside from my, my full-time job, if you want. And so automotive journalist was kind of a thing when I was growing up. I was into tuning cars and, uh, well, of course, detailing as well. So I used to go at car shows. I had a crazy, crazy high-end uh, sound system in one of my vehicles that I won uh, a world championship in the IASCA Challenge. So the International uh, Auto Sound Challenge Association, which is basically the mecca for anything either you have one side that was the uh, the sound pressure level the SPL for the guys with the big subwoofers or my side which was the SQ the sound quality and you'd yeah. compete in different cities different countries and um, just basically show off that and eventually, well, it got where reporters were reporting on my tuned vehicle, whether it was for the sound system or the performance. And um, they noticed just how passionate I was about it. And they're like, well, you know what? Why don't I offer you a position and you start writing for us? 
And that's how so, I started doing this in, in an area near me in Montreal. Um, and that moved on to a, a, um, a bigger, from a magazine, it went on to a book. So the, this uh, huge book that they have for, um, I don't know if you have that in the UK, I'm guessing yes, but basically every make and model for this given year, it's like a, a catalog where you get to see all the specs. They talk about every vehicle, you get to review cars and, and talk about them. So if you want to know about the 2022 Toyota Corolla, well, you'd open the book, go to the Toyota Corolla um, uh, article and read about it and have a, a journalist's opinion who has driven the vehicle and who will give you the pros and cons of the, the vehicle itself. So that was something that I, I was able to link my passion and kind of had this side gig going as well. So what you were doing that as a side gig, what was your main job at the time? What did you do as your, what you would have called your day job? Well, that was when I was studying in university. So that's when I was in okay. medicine, studying molecular biology and biochemistry. Now, I want to just touch on that for a second here. This is going to sound really <laughs> weird. Okay, yes. so... My my research, I did like I told you, I did a bit of a deep dive here. Yeah. Did you happen to co-author a paper? Yes. About Let the POMC gene, the pro opiomelanocortin gene, and the RB, the retinoblastoma protein, back in the day. That's yes, I found it. It's called retinoblastoma there and the go. related pocket protein P107. Yes. Act as coactivators for neuro D1 to enhance gene transcription. Correct. That was during my uh, bachelor's degree um, in university, and I was how it works in the um, in the medical research field is that during your studies, you also um, go and work in a lab environment, and so you get to kind of pick and choose which um, uh, lab director you want to work with, which topic they're working on. And that one just so happened that they were talking about um, things that were cancer related and proteins that can help combat or fight or understand how cancer develops. And cancer has been a thing for a few members of my family, including my own mom. So it was something that was dear and near to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to make an impact uh, in that field. So that's why I went to, to, to study in, <laughs> in that field. I mean, wow. that in itself is incredible, but this, I, I'd just like to say this is also the most bizarre thing I think I've ever found when researching a guest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I there, to myself, there, there can't be that many Pandelis Muscopolis no, no. in Montreal. Let's be perfectly honest. It's exactly. not going to be something that's really a common, common name. It's got to be him. And especially when I picked up on your, your video where you talked about being in the in the medical field, you were training in medicine. And I thought, it's, it's got to be him. I have to ask this one. It's going to be really out there and people are going to be listening and going, what? But, you know, <laughs> this you know one what really I, interested me. What, what's funny about that is, well, people ask me, why did you go into that field? Well, initially it was kind of my parents were super, super strict and uh, were pushing me to really heavily involve myself in my studies. I was always first in school, first to class, winning trophies and, and all student of the year and that kind of stuff. And it's so, so they decided for me, basically, this is what you're going to do. We want you to go in medicine. So I, I could never decide for myself what I wanted to do when I was a younger child. And I had, I, I kind of had a feeling that I had to uh, make them proud because they were uh, investing in my studies and, and my education. And so that was one way I felt that out of respect, I had to follow in the uh, the footsteps they wanted me to, to kind of port well partaken. Yeah. But later on, as you grow up and you develop your own personality, that's when you notice that you get to a point where you have to do things that make you happy. And when you go into work, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And so at least now with the, the YouTube channel, um, 
I'm able to do something that I'm really passionate about, but thanks to my medical studies in biochemistry and molecular biology, it allows me to understand the chemistry behind the products. So when I get the chance now with the size of the, the channel to get to talk to the, the chemists behind the products, we have these heart-to-heart -heart discussions. And when they talk about hydrocarbons or silicon dioxide or um, uh, reduced graphene oxide, regardless of what they're talking about, I understand that. So it's easier for me to take that knowledge afterwards. And what I do is I put it in a way where I can explain it to my audience for everybody yes. to understand and to make detailing accessible. It should not be something that only a few chemists understand and they sell you a bottle and you don't know what you're working with and you don't know what's inside it. If you understand a little bit about the tech, well, then you can get excited about the product or understand how it works and why it works that way. And I think it's just cool to be able to have like a different um, viewpoint. So from somebody who understands the science behind it, but who can also translate it in a way that anybody can, can go out there and and enjoy the uh, the detailing process i am 100 percent behind that because my channel i set it up to be educational and i knew mm -hmm. there was going to be a bunch of jargon in there that um you know people are not going to really understand they don't know what snow foam actually is and so on yeah and i was really catering my content for the absolute beginner who is used to just going and using supermarket wash and wax you know yes. and uh and a sponge and things like that. So I wanted to, to break it down. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm fully, definitely 100% behind that. I think I have the same kind of drive to understand how a product actually works. Because exactly. you and, and as a reviewer, get you. it's easier for you also to be able to put that information forward because you have an understanding of it. So then you perhaps know best how to use it, when to use it, in what situations, what applications and so on. So it's, it's better for everyone in that respect. And I think not only that, but we they, they can graduate. So you were talking about the people who buy the grocery store type shampoos and sponges. Well, when they watch the our videos, and I'm talking about us collectively as YouTube creators on the, in the detailing world, uh, what's cool is they can graduate to become weekend warriors and eventually perhaps even professionals. There's a lot of people who were watching our videos out there and who still thank us to this date. Like, hey man, I, I knew nothing about detailing and fast forward three years into watching you guys' channels, I'm able now to feed my family because I do detailing at a full time and I and and thanks to your videos and tutorials I didn't have to go to school or pay somebody to teach me all this stuff it's free right there on YouTube for me to grasp and yeah. then yes if you want to do a deeper dive you can hook up with the IDA and become an IDA member or um, there are some countries and cities where they offer actual schools of detailing training like we have that here in, in Montreal and I'm sure in the UK there's some detailing schools out there so you can perfect your craft but it's all accessible and a person can graduate from somebody who knew nothing about washing cars and maybe use dishwashing liquid and a sponge to clean their vehicles to now doing a full-on interior exterior restoration with a ceramic coating or, or what have you not and I, I think that's awesome that we can take people and kind of uh, educate them to, uh, to what we do and have Definitely. them en enjoy the the entire process yes 100 percent. i think um while we're on the subject of being passionate about many things uh cars i'd like to ask pan about your car collection um because <laughs> i'm a complete i'm a complete petrol head but sadly i drive a very eco-friendly diesel to work my wife has a, uh, a very old rover metro but i've always been into classic cars my son drives a classic car uh to work he refuses to drive uh, his modern car uh, that just lets wow that's just gathering more and more dirt and I, i'm desperate to go and clean it but so as far as cars are concerned, what's your favorite go-to weekend car? That I've owned or that I would like to own? Uh, one you own. What's the favorite one at the moment you'd like to go for a blast in? 
by far it's my my new vehicle my 911 turbo s porsche that is like it was a dream car of me growing up that i i hoped to one day be able to achieve and and this has been literally my best car ever for if for a weekend warrior for a weekend driving or even as a daily driver this car is surprisingly good it, they call it the everyday supercar it is good at everything it does. If you want performance, it'll give you it and then some. If you want comfort, you have it. Uh, I even have a hi-fi stereo in them, the Burmester option, and that just sounds crazy. Um, if you want looks, if you want um, like paint quality, if you want overall fit and finish, it just ticks all the boxes that I, I really wanted. But the driving pleasure you get out of it, it's it's insane. I've never driven anything like it. You you say that it's, it, you can drive that thing daily. Do you drive and I it do. daily? Yep, I, I even See, drive it I, during the winter time. I was going to ask that because I would have assumed you've got something as special as the 911, and it's it is a very very special car. And then you would you would want to keep that and have another daily, have some sort of old banger or something nope. just relatively you know pedestrian to have to take to the store, you know things like that. But then you take the Porsche out when you want to have a bit of a fun or just all the time. It's my only car because my philosophy is, is your cars are meant to be driven and they're meant to be enjoyed. And that is exactly what I wanted to do with this. For me, it's like, why would you pay for a vehicle and keep it as a garage queen? And being Mm. a obsessed with detailing, I can guarantee you that nobody can tell my car has been through winter months because I clean it twice a week because every single surface is protected. I take, I still take, Take care of it. I mean, this is my baby, so obviously I I will take care of it to the T. But I have to enjoy driving it. So yeah, it's my daily driver. Whether I'm going to a grocery store or pumping up gas or having a night out with my brother or my friends, bringing my girlfriend out to the restaurant or or just going to the gym, it, it's just the car I use all the time, including winter months. So it's driven 365 days a year. That's crazy, and it's meant to be that way. Yeah, it's the ultimate driving machine for a reason. You have to drive it. That that's the way I view cars. I I, I could not have a car as a trailer or as a garage queen and and not take it out it would make no sense to me at least that's that's the way i view it it also doesn't do them any good believe it or not because supercars and performance cars sat around driven on short journeys and just the occasional blast it doesn't do them any good at all it's you know go for a road trip in one you know absolutely Um, i I watched a video on a guy's called uh gears and gasoline and they drove uh all up to alaska and they drove that many miles. They had to do sort of like five different oil changes on the way up. But they did it to prove a point that you can drive these cars, you know, on long distances. Performance cars are meant to be driven. And I think exactly, you know, you know if that's been your dream car, then why wouldn't you want to drive it every day? I would. You got I'd be it. hooning around it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and, and there's a reason why i got this is was to fulfill this lifelong dream and so why not drive your dream car every single day if possible now don't get me wrong if you if you have a vehicle that you want that is rear wheel drive and you live in a country like ours where you have crazy snows uh snowstorms and 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 huge amounts of snow on the road and you want to drive something more secure in the winter time well then perhaps you'll have two cars but um if you only have one vehicle well enjoy it i mean take it out drive it because once once you're done or once you're not in this life anymore, you don't want to have regrets. And you know what? I should have taken it out for a spin a lot more and enjoyed. I was just paying it to leave it in a garage. For me, That that's kind of painful. Mm. So yeah, enjoy what you work so hard to, to obtain. That makes sense. Um, moving back to the detailing side of things uh, briefly here. Um, this is a question that I've, I've wanted to ask because this is something that's been asked of me recently. And I find it to be... It can be controversial because this is very much a subjective situation here. Um, 
Are there any products or product types, uh, categories of products, that you think don't need to or should not exist on the market? The reason I'm asking this is because someone mentioned to me that insect remover products are just another way of brands selling you APC. And I am struggling to find an argument against that because I know there are brands who push things like that, a, a bug remover, when they've already got an APC. And I know there are brands who also say, you don't need a bug remover because our APC already does it. What is there anything that, that stands out to you that you say this is um, superfluous? It doesn't need to be on the market. It's just, a, it's just a marketing trick. It's just a ploy. It's the same product in another bottle that's been marketed towards a different use. See, I, I will have to answer in, in two portions because I feel there are two potential responses to that. Yep. The first one being um, there might be categories that I find are not necessary, but other people absolutely need um, for different amount of reasons. So take, for example, a rinseless wash. I prefer to wash my car using the traditional buckets and water and the mitts and all that stuff because mm -hmm. I have access yep. to it. It's readily available. It's in my garage and that's the way I learned and that's the way I enjoy However, I understand that there are some people out there who don't have access to free-flowing water or they live in cities with heavy water bans, heavy water restrictions. They need an alternative um, to, to not having this like crazy water uh, flow nonstop. So they'll use the rinseless wash. But again, only if it's a lightly to moderately dirty car because you have to use common sense even with that technology. Um, so they might need it. However, there are... And the second portion of the answer is yes, I think there are some categories, unfortunately, of products that exist that should not exist but i know that brands will release them because they if it's not me it's going to be another one and they still have to make profit at the end of the day so one of my pet peeves is waterless washes mm -hmm. so for me and especially if you're a detailing enthusiast rinseless wash is okay and traditional wash is okay however the waterless wash so zero zero water i for sure you will mar and scratch your paint there's no getting around that like you're ba barely applying any spray. I don't care how much lubrication they say they have in there. You're still kind of not dry wiping fully, but you're having that dirt that you're grinding on the surface that you didn't either pre-rinse or pre-treat or remove with a snow form or an APC pre-treat, that kind of stuff. And eventually, uh, especially after repeated use, and we all see this, this is the kind of damage that you inflict on your paint. So a lot of brands want to offer something to their customers who are looking for a quick five minute wipe and you're good to go. And it's okay, I guess, if you don't really care about the state of your car, but for an enthusiast, they kind of get confused because they're like, oh, I could use maybe this product. And then they start looking around on YouTube or other social media to see if, does it really work? Does it not work? So I think they're doing a disservice to people because in reality, that kind of product will do more damage than it will help the vehicle at that point wait until you can do a proper wash. I would prefer that you keep your vehicle dirty and not use a waterless wash and wait a few more weeks until you can actually do a proper job or maybe perhaps go see a local detailer or a letter near you and have them do a good job on it. If you can't do it yourself, then uh, do a waterless wash every other day on your vehicle and just do and inflict damage on your paint. That for me is, is insane. So yeah, there are probably categories out there of things that, that should not be on the market, but then you have the brands that have to figure ways to, to have a bigger bottom dollar, which is unfortunate because that means they're going to be releasing sometimes products that are not needed or they're going to cater to markets that didn't think they needed something. And now all of a sudden 
you think that you have to go out there and that's what you have to use. So you're going to spend more money to get that, that product going. And, but I, I get your point too, um, uh, Specky about the, um, uh, the products that sometimes have one use that you think they do, but you realize that there's something else, but there are brands. If, if it's a serious brand with their own chemist, especially, I find that the formulations that they do often, if you have a discussion with them, so take, for example, an APC and a bug remover, some brands actually do have dedicated bug removers that have a different uh, type of surfactant in there or a different type of cleaner that will be different on the way it acts with bugs because, the uh, believe it or not, the um, bug guts are a bit like the bird droppings. They're acidic in nature. Yeah. So you need products that will be able to combat that, whereas an APC, PC, it's an alkaline type product. So it's very different in the way you're going to approach it. So yeah, some brands who don't have access to technology or a chemist, they'll just take whatever and rebottle it or rebrand it and use the same thing for an APC and the same thing for a bug remover. But there are other brands who actually put time and effort in creating dedicated specific tools that you'll need. So it, it's hard to figure out until you test it for yourself or you have a discussion with somebody in the brand and, and kind of understand, well, is it really something different mm -hmm. or are you just selling me something that you changed the label on and is the exact same thing as something else right same thing with um the uh, paint preps the panel pain paint preps for like the ipas yes and sometimes glass cleaners some people believe that well well this company it's the exact same product they're just relabeling it to be an ipa but essentially it's like a glass cleaner and, and i certainly have seen a situation with that with a brand back in the day where it was actually exactly the same. It was just a mixture of water and IPA. And I think just, yeah. you know, the concentrations were slightly different, but it was hardly any difference at all. Um, I want to touch on something you mentioned there. You talked about um, the, the waterless versus the, the rinseless and so on and pre-washing. Where do you stand on pre-washing? Because this has come up a little bit more recently Oof, in some of my videos. Hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I watched a video recently so I know exactly where Pan stands because I watched his video. Well, this yes. is, yeah, so this is for, for the, the audience to hear, but there are people who say that the the pre-wash product you're using, for example, snow foam, is it, do you, does your snow foam need to sit on a dirty panel or does it need to sit on a pre-rinsed panel and so on? This is the argument. Some people say that if the panel has been wetted, then you are diluting the snow foam <laughs> oh. or the citrus, whatever it is you're using, and therefore it's not working as effectively as if you were spraying it onto a dirty panel that hadn't been pre-rinsed. Paul and I See, have talked is... about this. We've, we've had yeah, many yeah. conversations about this, yeah. where we say we feel it's better to just get as much dirt off as possible so that none of that interferes with or blocks any of your pre-wash product getting Case down to the stickiest part. Kay yeah, case in point, John Deleuze's video, the forensic video when he washed the Land Rover caked in mud. Yes. Inches of mud. You would not, and I've said this on Instagram lives, I've been asked the same question. Use common sense. The old, do you rinse your wheels and tires down, uh, tires down first? Do you flush your arches out? Yes, you do, because why would you not give your chemicals a, a, a chance? And it's exactly. all about that, that balance, isn't it? I've said this for years, 90% application, 10% products, but... There is that category where people just, you know, think that the minute droplets of water which are left on the panel are going to affect the snow foam. I don't think. I think it's just utter rubbish. I, I don't get that. So there, there. You touched on a very good point, uh, Paul, and I think you're you're right on that too. The um, there are two schools of thought. So people who will pre-rinse first and then snow foam and then rinse that and do the contact wash or do not pre-rinse first snow foam on a dry panel and then release that. Or there are people who don't believe in snow foams at all. Now, Heathens. I think that first of all, 
snow foams are very important. I think it's depending on the type that you use. So for those who say, well, a snow foam doesn't really clean. Yes, but wait a second. Are you using just a pH neutral shampoo? In that case, well, yeah, it won't have the cleaning power. But you guys in the UK have one of the best ones out there, Built Hamber Auto Foam, and they're touchless as well. That is actually a snow foam that does some cleaning because of its pH scale and other surfactants and reagents that are in built into the chemistry. And that's what the point that I wanted to show the video as well. And I used an inspiration from John's video, do snow foams actually work so we can reach a big audience. So you can actually see on the surface what a proper cleaning snow foam does. And it will remove dust or dirt or a bit of that grime before the contact wash. Cause the effort here is we're not getting a, from a touchless wash, you're never going to get hundred percent clean that I will never buy. You always have to follow up with a contact wash. However, what you do want with the pre-wash stage is to remove as much of that dirt and grime as possible possible. And Paul is right. When you say use common sense, guys, if your your vehicle is caked in heavy mud, you've been through a rally, it's been through a, um, a snowstorm, or it's been through a sandstorm, regardless, if there's that thick layer of dirt, obviously, please always pre-rinse that off. If you're shooting your snow foam on top of that heavy dirt, you're not doing it a service. The snow foam is fighting that superficial layer of dirt instead of fighting the dirt, grime, and traffic film that's actually stuck to the paintwork. So yes, you will pre-rinse in those occasions. Now for the debate, if the vehicle is semi-clean or doesn't have much dirt on it, would you pre-rinse and then snow foam or snow foam on a dry paint? I tried both. I didn't really see a difference in my conditions as far as the visuals appear. So I still like to pre-rinse first. And again, I also think that you're not diluting the snow foam that much. I mean, the snow foam is already diluted when you're throwing it in your foam can and you're spraying it on a vehicle. So for me, it's a non-issue really. So I still would prefer to pre-rinse first and then snow foam and then do the rest of your steps. But one thing that you can do before pre-rinsing is, and this is a discussion I had with uh, my friend that you guys probably know, Ivan LaCroix, who was mm. formerly vice president of Optimum Polymer Technologies. So he's, he knows a lot about um, the rinseless washes is to perhaps use as a pre-treat like something like ONR or McKee's 37N914, basically a rinseless wash that you're going to spray on top. It's going to start to emulsify and encapsulate that dirt, but also allow you when you're pressure rinsing to perhaps not drive that dirt deeper into the paint and release it a lot heavier. So that's one thing you can modify and add to the pre-treat with a rinseless wash before you rinse. But whether you rinse or not, it shouldn't really make the difference. What makes the difference is what type of snow foam you're using for that pre-cleaning or that pre-wash stage. And again, I invite people to do their own tests. Like you see these tests done by a lot of us on there and that's fine. But perhaps it doesn't fit to your reality because there are some people who will prefer to like snow foam, then rinse, then snow foam again and hand wash. Other people just like to snow foam, rinse and then go to hand wash. So really do what works best for you. But as long as you're using safe washing and drying methods, so it shouldn't really matter which steps you follow as long as you're doing it safely and you look at your paint afterwards and there's no marring and scratching, well, then you're doing a good job. But again, use common sense. If, like you said, Paul, if you've been through this like dirt yeah, rally and you have like a meter thick of mud, well, you're not going to throw snow foam out there. You're not, you're not doing anything on the car. Please pre-rinse first. So it's always a case by case situation. There's never a um, kind of one way to do things. And that's the only way. There are so many different ways to detail cars out there. And I mean, look at 10 different YouTube channels. You're going to see 10 different ways to wash a vehicle. Yeah. I can guarantee you that, right? Definitely. I think huge you know, believer in that. Th yeah. There's many ways um, to skin a cat. Um, and as you say, it, it is um, common sense. The only trouble with common sense is it's not that common 
And unfortunately, some people are, are <laughs> yeah. going to hear, you know, one YouTuber or one influencer saying, well, you don't need to pre-rinse your car at all because you're just yes. going to re-dilute it. And what's the point in that? And someone somewhere is going to listen to that and go, my God, he's talking truth. He knows. He doesn't. That's one person's opinion. As you say, take multiple exactly. opinions. Yes. I, I, had yes. that, I had that in a recent video because I was testing. Um, I had some samples sent, sent down by a company. And the, the citrus, I did a swipe test and the citrus just didn't seem to do anything. And I spoke to the brand about it. They were very good about it. And they were saying, look, we're going to send you down a stronger one. Clearly, this one didn't you know, work in the video. And I was very open and honest about it to the audience. And then some of the other products performed really, really well. But somebody said in the comment section, oh, I wouldn't have pre-rinsed that car twice. I wouldn't have pre-washed it twice. Why did you snow foam it twice? And I had to say to them, it's my son's car. I had to do it because it's part of the wash wash system you know i'm pre-rinsing the uh, pre-washing the car to get the dirt off and try and go really like back to basics and said it's a video i'm testing the products but essentially i'm still cleaning the car and i didn't get the performance from the first product so i then ramped it up with a different product and did the car again and this happens quite a lot and i think one of the things you touched on there about doing things safely and most importantly having fun at the end of the day there is a set of rules that people seem to fall down this rabbit hole and they, they like quoting it back to you. And they say, well, you, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Yes. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? A lot of the time, especially when you're doing paid jobs on, on customers' vehicles, some steps aren't necessary. You don't go yes. to a, a customer and go, right, I'm going to detail your car. What do you require? Okay, I only want this. I only want that. You don't start taking the lights out and doing a full restoration and machine <laughs> polishing badges just because it's a valet. And we get this a lot. And I think you probably get it as well, Pam, when you're doing a vehicle, maybe a demonstration for someone. You always get the, why didn't you do this? And See, it is, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite in my case, but there's a reason why. Because I currently only do high-end jobs. So for me, it has to be a brand new vehicle. And it's going to be only one package that I offer, which is the brand new car prep. So interior and exterior, full ceramic coating, everything. So we're doing, we're bringing it to the T's. So, and I take the time for that because I am being paid correctly by the owner of the vehicle, the customer, to do a, a proper job. What people need to realize is it, it wouldn't make any sense for another professional detailer if the person, if the customer isn't paying for that level of a 12 to 15 hour job in pain correction in either a two-stage or a one-step into getting it to a, a perfect, perfect level. Well, you have to also understand that the mobile detailer you're watching or the detailer who's doing maybe a more, just a car wash stage or maybe the person only wanted a paint enhancement and not a full paint correction you have to readjust your expectations. And of course, if you're only doing a pain enhancement at the end, you're only going to get an 80 to 85% correction. There's still going to be marring and scratching and that kind of stuff. But people have to realize that is what the customer paid for. If the customer is not paying for perfection, you cannot physically deliver a 15 hour pain correction job because you're going to lose your business and you're not going to be profitable. So that doesn't make any sense. So I think sometimes it's just because viewers don't adjust their expectations for the outcome on what they're actually viewing. Did the customer pay for that service is that what the service was all about so if you're only paid for an exterior wash well maybe the leather seats are still dirty but the customer didn't pay for it so when the person asked well why didn't you also detail the interior you're going to give back the the uh, the vehicle to the customer looking dirty well do you realize that 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 uh, detailer maybe just got paid for the exterior cleaning or detailing so there there's expectations sometimes that are set so high 
from what people are watching in front of their eyes. And often when you ask a few more questions, you realize that a lot of the super negative people are actually people that have no detailing experience. They can't tell right from wrong and they just expect perfection every single time. But perfection is only achievable if you are actually paid to reach that level. And even at that, sometimes you're going to want to reach perfection on a vehicle. But if you're measuring the clear coat and the clear coat is too thin and the overall paint thickness doesn't allow you to do a full two-stage paid correction, well, guess what? If you're a an honest person, you're going to tell the customer, I will not do this full two-stage because you're going to be burning through too much clear coat and it's unsafe for the future of your paintwork. Yeah. So we're going to do just a single stage. So there's so many factors and things to consider. I think people have to, to just sit back relax, enjoy the content, take it for what it's worth and realize maybe what is being done there. Ask yourself the question as a viewer, what is the detailer trying to achieve? Was he paid to achieve what I want him or what I think should be done? And what experience level do you have? Or if you're critiquing somebody, are you first solid with your own experience? And do you actually have detailing experience before you're just out there being that weekend quarterback or weekend warrior, like bashing into this professional detailer's job or, or life, right? So the, yeah, there, there's a lot of that on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And it, it, We've talked before about uh, managing expectations and um, it was actually Ivan that mentioned, he talked at Waxdoc 2019 and he, was, he gave an analogy and he basically said, if you went to a restaurant, and you ordered a hot dog, you wouldn't give that customer a steak because they didn't pay for a steak. So exactly. they're not expecting that steak. They're expecting the hot dog. So you need to deliver it that way. There is always the, the curse of the detailer where, I've said this to Paul many times, we struggle to appreciate a nice car for what it is because we're immediately looking for swirls and scratches and yes, holograms absolutely. and all these things. And, you know, someone else will turn up with their new pride and joy. They just bought a brand new this and the dealer went over oh, yeah. it with something, some sort of something oh, yeah. on there. And then you get all these marks. Now, that customer didn't see those things, doesn't know what they are and assumes that's what the paint looks like. Do yes. you point it out to them and say, you think uh -huh. that's clean? You think that's good? No, look at this. Do you destroy their whole view of the car or do you just let them enjoy what they've got? It's such a That is curse a very good question. Because we so see cars at the side of the road. We go to a car show. And Paul, you had this recently. You went to a Ferrari thing, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I went to a Ferrari uh, cars and coffee meet. My friend, oddly enough, drives a McLaren. Uh, he's, a, he's a fellow detailer and uh, a very good friend of mine. And in the showroom, they have uh, some cars with what they call frosted paint. And uh, I wouldn't say it was patina um, because the car was relatively new. I, I can't remember the, the actual the, the number of it. It was a Scuderia. I know it was a Scuderia Ferrari. And it was silver with the uh, Stradale uh, stripe over it. And on the rear quarters, the actual frosted paint had started to come off. Now, they'd mentioned this in the description, but they'd... They'd only touched on it very slightly. It, hadn't, it was quite severe, and we were looking at it with our jaws on the floor. And this was a, a three and a half, I think it was 300,000 300, pounds, so, you know, $600,000, whatever that is. And we just couldn't believe it. And we, although the owners are in, in the car park, some of their cars were better than the cars in the showroom. And you do look at things with a negative eye. The, the happiest day of my life, apart from the, the birth of my children and getting married, <coughs> golf, was when my wife recognized what paint swirls were. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in the supermarket and she said, 
cool, that's swelled. And I said, uh, uh, pardon? What, what did you say? <laughs> did, did, you, did you say, do you know what swells awesome. are? She goes, she goes, yeah, it's that when it looks like it's been done with, with a Brillo pad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. There you go. You got her. That's I, so that that is an interesting topic because I what I like to do as well is I again I approach it twofold. So I have two options that I give customers. So I tell them in advance because it's all about communication. Now I will even if it's a brand new car that you took delivery from yesterday and you bring it to me the following day and you haven't really driven it. I can guarantee you I will find defects. There's no such thing as a new car until it has been properly detailed. So I tell them because I always go through a full pre inspection and I. I document everything. That's one thing, by the way, that I recommend to any professional detailer out there is to document and do the inspection fully. So that way also the customer doesn't come back against you and say, hey, listen, you did that damage on my vehicle. So go around the vehicle and I tell them, I can either point out to you what I see uh, very specifically with the inspection light and all the equipment that I have to point out what's wrong with the car. Or if you do, if it's going to trigger your OCD and you're going to be disappointed, forget about that. Let me do my work. And then when it's done, you can watch it. And then I can explain to you what we corrected and what went well. So I get kind of, a, I, it's funny because it's a 50-50. So some people say, yeah, yeah, I want to see right away because I thought it was new. I inspected it at a dealership and it looked fine. And then lo and behold, you show them and you point out everything with the inspection lights and they're like because oh, there is no such thing as a a new car mm-hmm. i tell people often don't forget vehicles when they're built at the factory often there's uh, some quality control for paint nibs and dust nibs and all that stuff that's going to be quickly corrected with a rotary and you're going to have those holograms and it's off and done and then it's transported by boat by truck by train and you're going to get industrial fallout you're going to get rail dust you're going to get they're often let at docks boating docks or at car dealership parking lots for weeks sometimes months on end and then the last part which is usually the worst is they're poorly prepped by the actual dealership they're not using proper washing and drying techniques how many people working in car dealerships have told me man we use the same disgusting water from the morning until the evening so you're getting all that dirt and grime on your brand new vehicle they're going to slap this cheap wax on your car to deliver it and uh, the majority of people don't see those tiny defects it looks good enough and out you go and then you're stuck with all these defects and issues so um, definitely there's this there's a certain amount of people who want to know in advance what kind of defects their car actually has when they took delivery from the dealership and others just want to see the end result to not go through a heart attack phase of the because for everybody regardless if it's an inexpensive vehicle or if it's a high-end supercar for the person buying the vehicle it's their all and everything they worked hard to be able to afford it and especially in these tough financial times every car should be treated like it's your own and uh, every car out there is worth uh, being done properly and so, uh, yeah, it, it's funny that you'd ask that question because there's a lot of people who, who are curious to know, like, well, my car's new. How come there are all these scratches on there? Well, this is why you have all these issues with the vehicle because it's, it's not new again until it's properly detailed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember showing my father swirl marks for the first time and he didn't know <laughs> what he was looking at. I was trying to point them out. I says, don't you see these? And he says, I don't see what you're looking for because he assumed all these little circular marks. That's just what paint looks like. And yes. I had to show him... That's not what it looks like. And then he basically turned to me and destroyed my world. He said, do I look like I care? 
<laughs> he's quite happy. Yeah, I, if it looks clean and dirt-free and a little bit shiny, yeah, he's fine. That's it. Good. For job, sure, Andrew. detailing enthusiasts are, are part of the one percenters, I call them. Yeah. So kind of like when we go to car shows, I'm the same, right? A lot of people will just look at the beautiful car. But for me, it's like looking for all the defects. Oh, I caught the angle of sun and look at that sw- spider webs and swirl marks and that deep scratch. Or, oh, oxidation is starting on this clear code. Look at that. Look at this defect. He could have done a little bit better on that. Or there's contamination on the surface. So we view things a lot differently and that can kind of like skew our view, right? It is, it's the detailer's curse, I call it, then not exactly, yeah. exactly. It really is. You know, it, like when we go to a car show, you have to remember, do not bring your inspection light with you. Just leave it at home. Don't don't be rude. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'm just checking your rear quarters here. That looks like there's a lot of buffer trails. Bad news that. Um, I know you're limited for time. I'm going to try and rattle through some some short questions here. Very no worries. We're still end. good. Um, so uh, next one I wanted to ask here. What does the future hold for the detailing industry in your mind? Do you see some product products or product types dying out? Or do you see something on the horizon that would perhaps dominate in the future? Absolutely. So for me, the, um, the cool thing when you have a YouTube channel is you get viewer feedback. So people around the world who live in different conditions, who have different experience levels, especially, um, and who don't necessarily all have the same amount of knowledge. And so when I read through the comments, the thing that I see the most that is still yet to be addressed by the majority of the brands, and I know some are working on it, but I'm still pushing a lot of them to deep diver, uh, to, to do deeper dives into making this happen is ease of application for long-term paint protection. So for example, a few years ago, when ceramic coatings were new. Uh, Well, a lot of people thought it was snake oil. So fast forward to today, we know that ceramic coatings are an actual thing. And so they're long-term. Now we're talking the ones in glass bottles. So the ones that last many, many years. Mm -hmm. So there was a thing at one point where you needed three layers, four layers, five layers to make this happen. And it would just take you forever. So what I really wanted the industry to do is first of all, to move to a one layer system. And I see a lot of the brands now, they realize that there is a need for that. And they stopped with the three, four plus layers and they're doing the one or max two layer system, which is a good progress. But still there's that application time and you still need to watch for flashing times. You still need to be curious about your curing and your rainbowing effect and when you're going to level the coating and how it reacts to different temperatures and humidity levels and all that kind of stuff. I think the future is really having a product that anybody can pick up and apply it as easily as a coat of wax and not worry about flashing times, curing times and toppers especially, right? Because that's another thing. The majority of the ceramic coatings right now or graphene coatings, every two to three months, bare minimum, you have to apply some sort of either silica uh, topper or a graphene topper to make sure that you're keeping those properties going. But a lot of viewer feedback that I get off it is, well, what's the point of applying a coating that's supposed to be very durable, chemical resistant and all that good stuff, Mm. but that I still have to maintain every other month. So currently the technology doesn't allow for that. But what it does is, yes, ceramic coatings do work well. They keep your vehicle cleaner for longer. Self-cleaning properties, which, by the way, don't mean that your vehicle is automatically cleaned on its own. It means that it's easier to clean when you're doing maintenance washes. They have that UV protection, the gloss, the slickness, the hydrophobic properties, and especially the chemical resistance. That's an actual thing. So the, the huge pH range that they resist compared to carnauba waxes and synthetic paint sealants is next level. Yeah. But I think the next... 
um, foray or the next evolution, or should I say even revolution, is that those brands now have to think of something that is going to be either semi-permanent or permanent that will require no maintenance or perhaps maintenance only once a year, but little to no maintenance and Again, ease of application is the key. People want to apply coatings, but they don't want to run into uh, high spots. They don't want to have to worry about, is it flashing too fast, too quickly? Where's that rainbowing? I'm seeing it on one brand. I'm not seeing it on another brand. They get confused. Am I supposed to see that? Which towels do I need? How many do I need? I have to discard the towels. There's so much information that you need. They really have to bring it to a level where as few, like two decades ago, when people only had carnauba waxes and synthetic paint sealants were just starting, things were simple. You'd pick up either you had two choices, paste form or liquid form and you hand apply it or apply it with a buffing machine and, and that is it. That's right. But today things have gone, yes, we have evolved quite a bit as far as the durability and the resistance of that protection. However, the ease of application isn't quite there yet. And if you're having ease of application currently, well, then you're reducing the durability. So there are a lot of good spray-on protectants out there that are super easy to apply and very quick, but they'll only last six to 12 months. There is no spray yet that will allow you to get five, six, seven years of protection, hopefully, because that's, of course, the durability claims right on paper. So we're, I'm still looking for that brand that is going to work on something that will give me that. I just slap it on there I and I wipe and I don't have to worry about flashing curing high spots, all that stuff. And curing, by the way, while I'm on it is another topic. So 24 hours for coatings is usually a thing to not expose them to water or rain. Mm -hmm. Some coatings now are starting to see that 12 hour curing if you're looking at the new Gion Evo line. Um, however, we're still not to the point, especially for pro detailers out there when you're applying a ceramic coating and the customer might need their vehicle very quickly. They don't have time to leave it to you for another full day of curing. Well, to go outside and start driving in the elements right away. So those are like, again, if anybody's listening from the detailing businesses and brands and chemists is ease of use, do that. Um, uh, the there, There's little to no maintenance needed and also the uh, curing time work on those. So that I think is a big part of the future. Well, to touch on that slightly, oh, just for very quickly, um, the last episode that Paul and I recorded of the podcast, we had the debate between uh, long-term protection versus short-term protection. And as you mentioned there, yes. you've got to have toppers. And if you've got to have toppers, then why bother putting down a base protection at all? You could have just regular application of a topper, which is practically going to do the same thing. So we had that. But we did talk about a couple of ceramic products which have hit the market here in the UK, which are the kind of thing that you can literally apply and then drive away. There is one that uh, I'm about to test, which is a 12-month coating that has its own sealant as part of it, which is the sacrificial layer on top that allows the, the ceramic underneath to fully cure and bond so that you can literally apply it and then drive away and it doesn't matter if it gets wet. So I think we are starting to see some movement in that direction. I, I would love the idea of just slapping something on the car and knowing that for the next couple of years, it's got full protection. And we see could that, definitely that's where you said there. it yourself. You, that product is going to be a 12-month product. So that if that's the claim, I'm expecting a real-world durability to be anywhere around seven to eight months, depending yep. on conditions, right? So mm. we're still not at the point of having that miraculous product that you'll slap on, not worry about it for maintenance, and that will last three, four, five years. That's yep. what I want to see being done. Because it's easy right now to have a one-year product that will do all of that. Uh, I mean, Gion Cancode is another, especially their Evo, the new version, that, that's yeah. absolutely insane. 
insane taxes to moonlight there's so many out there that are good but you'll they'll give you that six to 12 months i want something that will give me the same ease of application and not worry about anything else but i want a three to five year product at least i'm not expecting 10 years i don't think that's even possible right now no. but at least for the, the the majority of people who keep their cars three to five years, let's say, or six, seven years, anywhere around that, that you won't really have to worry about that foundation layer always being there and not having to worry about reapplying or maintenance too much and just wash it and enjoy it. Yeah, well, one of the companies that does the one-year version, they've now got a two-year version as well. So I'm going to be very interested who to is see it? what Can they... you mention it? or I, I can if you want to. I didn't want to because I, I mentioned them a yeah, lot I'm last curious. time and I don't want people to think that I'm being paid. I'm not being paid because I bought it myself. Um, it's a, a UK company company called Infinity Wax. And, oh yeah, uh, I met the owner at uh, the car show in France. Super nice guy. Ah, there you go. So um, the they've got Synergy Light, which is their one-year coating, and they've got Synergy Two, which is their two-year coating, which is meant to be as easy to apply as Synergy Light, an outdoor applicable product, which is meant to be practically ready to use almost immediately. So they see they have their own chemists right in, in shops. So yes. they, they can do yeah, that. Michael yeah, is that, a, that's a an actual thing. proper I hear chemist, a lot of good yeah. things about them. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested to see what the real world application of that's going to be like, uh, because it's, it's For still sure. relatively new there. Um, Paul, you got one. Yeah, I have. Um, you've been incredibly successful over the years with, with YouTube. And um, if, if you could, and I'm, you know, if, if somebody presented you, you with this opportunity, would you take them up on it? If you could have your own TV show, mainstream TV show, is there a possibility we're going to see you on our bigger screens? I would absolutely take the opportunity to do that because it would mean that we would reach even more people and get even more people involved in the detailing community. So yeah, the bigger the platform, the uh, the better. For, for, for sure, I would be up for that kind of stuff. I'm glad you said that because me and Specky are dying to get on telly. <laughs> well, Specky's, Specky's been on telly briefly, but I've not been on telly yet. And he, I think he, secretly every YouTuber desires that, you know, that if you're a presenter, if you've got the skill as, as being a presenter, which we, we technically are, we're presenting ourselves, we're presenting exactly. products, then I think you can you can do it. It just means a bigger camera, bigger audience. And then I think I would, I've told my wife this and she just looked at me and laughed. I said, what's wrong with that? She said, the, <laughs> Yeah, but that, you do YouTube, and you, you know, how many more times can you show someone how to wash a set of wheels? So you'd be surprised. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I have eight hundred <laughs> videos on my channel currently, and I still haven't scratched the surface. I feel of everything that I can touch on in that detailing world. Yeah. So when people ask me, like, how do you come up with ideas? Well, first of all, it's simple because it's a never-ending. There's always new technologies and new products. But yeah. also, when you read your viewers' comments, they also feed me with like, I would like to see this. So when I see a comment come up multiple times, well, I know it's time to make a video. So so it's a never ending world of having this feedback. But Paul, you are so right. Because imagine if we had the production level of a team that does these broadcasts and does actual TV and we could just focus on the presentation side because what we do is insane. We have to film, produce, edit our videos, the camera, the angles, the lighting, the ISO, the exactly. all the settings. Yeah. We have to do that. But if you have a team that would do all of that for you, you can just focus on presentation with the budgets that they have. Oh my God, we could do something that would like be absolutely insane. I'm even shocked that there is no, like the, for you guys in the UK, the BBC that does Top Gear, I think, and all that kind of stuff, they should yeah. think of having detailing channels if there are uh tv series for people who love mechanics and, and mechanical stuff on cars i don't see why there couldn't be a super wide audience of people wanting to know how to take care of their vehicles and bring their cars to a whole other level hopefully there are tv producers out there listening to this right now where it's going to be like a click in their head and the light bulb's gonna it's gonna open and, and flash
flesh and say, you know what, they're, they're so right. Because you get people hooked. You get people who never knew what car detailing was about and they watch a few of our videos and lo and behold, they become fanatics of this. So it's something about passion that when people watch detailing, they want to start doing it in their own home too. And it's so gratifying when you see the end results of what you did with your own hands. So I would absolutely love for uh, for bigger TV um, TV series to think about something detailing related and invite these YouTubers that also think about it. We also have our audiences. They're primed and ready to go and follow us on our next evolution, perhaps on on TV. So it would be a natural progression to have a few of us even. Imagine if they'd come up with a TV show where you'd have two or three or four of your favorite uh, detailing YouTubers come up and work together to create this diversified and uh, amazing and entertaining content at the same at the same time. I feel like we've just we've just figured out the new series. BBC, get in touch right now. <laughs> BBC, that's right. As I just suggested it, Pan, can you just uh, take our telephone numbers at the end of this podcast, just in case you get that, just in case you get that phone call, you need some assistance. Wouldn't that be amazing though? Like hopefully maybe some viewers out there like who are listening right now, like the, the best way to actually have this happen is for people to reach out to these TV shows or the, these broadcasters and tell them we want detailing content on the telly and we want to see our favorite YouTube stars or YouTube celebrities or however have you not, we want to see them on a show. We think it's important and get their heads spinning and sort of think about this and say, wow, there, well, there seems to be people who are interested in doing this. They, they have these channels now that have 10,000, 30,000, 100,000, a million subscribers. So there's definitely people who are interested about this topic and let's reach an even bigger audience and see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's a huge thing, a huge potential that they haven't tapped into yet, uh, the, the broadcasters. 100%. I just hope they have a good makeup team because Paul and I have a face for podcasts. <laughs> um, that's, the, that's the trouble. Um, a, a question I want to talk about something you mentioned this at the very top of the podcast here um, very quickly. You said that um, you publish some of your videos in both English and French. Yes. How do you decide which videos need to be produced for the French-speaking viewers? How what, What's your, your criteria that you decide this needs to be made a second time for those, you know? It, it, those it's people? very simple. It's only if I have time. If I have the time, <laughs> I will always try and make both languages. But if I don't have the time and I can only film one, English will always be the first because 90% of my audience is English-speaking and only 10% is francophone. So if I can only make one video, it's going to be in English. And if I have the time, I will always make, uh, if I have the time, yeah, I will always make it in both languages. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I just find it interesting. There are not a huge number of of uh, multilingual YouTubers that actually make, there is one guy that I know of, I think he's Hungarian, I believe, and he makes every single video twice, once in English and once in Hungarian. And, and, it means that the, in the num- detailing world. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, definitely. His um, his channel, I believe it's OC Daddy, aka Jolt, uh, if I'm if I'm right there. Um, he he makes every single video. He started making them, I think, in English, but he puts them out English and Hungarian every single time. And, yeah, kudos and to him. It's it's insane. Yeah, it's a huge amount of work to do, you know, and it's, it's it's bad enough. It's hard enough for Paul and I just to put out one video, but to put the thing out twice, once in 
in whatever we speak now and then once where we try and talk properly that that would be really quite difficult so it'd be really and really believe it or not it when you do that it really you really have to um have it as a passion first because it actually hurts the channel when you have two languages and i've spoken about this when you get to a certain point you can have access to um youtube creator helpers so there's this huge team at youtube that can help you uh, reach next levels on your channel and they kind of explained to me which i didn't know before when you have a smaller audience in a second language and you put out that French video, for example, well, because the algorithm sees that less people are clicking on it when they're recommending that video, it, the algorithm thinks that the video isn't good. Oh, and yes. so it's knocking on your channel. So I'm actually doing myself a disservice by having multiple languages and my channel would be a lot bigger if I didn't have two languages, but I still prefer the reaching out to, um, to different cultures that might not have the opportunity because in French, there's not that many YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. And so I, I know there's a lot of French speaking people around the world that want to learn more about it. And for me, it was more important to have the mission in mind than just my channel's growth. But if, yeah, if you really look at the, uh, the, the stats and understand how the algorithm works a bit, I am doing a disservice to myself by releasing videos in, in two languages. It's actually hurting the channel more than it's helping it. That's really interesting. That, that's genuinely yeah. interesting. That I, I have heard of some people removing some of their lesser performing videos simply to try and tweak the algorithm yes. so that only popular videos are shown. I don't yeah. think I've ever done that, but you know, I, I just put on what I put on. And if no. people watch it, if one person watches it, well, exactly. great. that's it. Um, Pan, this has been absolutely fantastic. We are so appreciative of your time to spend with us today. Um, it's been an incredible chat. Um, we are going to have to sit down at some point and pick your brains more as far as the YouTube algorithm is I was concerned. going to say that. It went too fast, by the way. You guys are absolutely a hoot. It's great to talk to you. We have to do this again oh, for fine. sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes, you're if you're up for a second hosts. one, if you're up for a sequel, we're down for it. We'll find we another topic. We would love to have you. We would love to have you on a Christmas special. That'd be a really good Christmas present for everybody, I think. Um, it's been Anytime. fantastic talking to you, Pan, getting to know you and, and knowing the guy behind the camera and in front of the camera because um, us as YouTubers, we, you know, we, we've we been watching you for a long, long time and we aspire to, to do better things on YouTube and it, it just keeps that passion burning. And it's nice to know that someone's been doing it for the length of time you've been doing it and the passion is still there and it, it's, it's really nice. And uh, no, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank, yeah. thank you for that. But if, if I can return those compliments and say one reason I accepted to actually come on the podcast with you guys. It wasn't money. Not only because I, <laughs> nope, absolutely not. Uh, but it was because I do follow your channels and I know that you are do doing good things for the community. Keep on working hard and keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing okay. absolutely amazing stuff. You're representing the UK uh, very, very well, I should say. And um uh, and, and yeah, you guys are doing just great things for the detailing community and it'll be my pleasure to come back, but I hope to meet you in person one day. And I know you guys have wax talk. I haven't been there yet, believe it or not. I'm going to SEMA this year in Vegas, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to, to go to wax talk one day and just uh, have a chat with you guys in person. 2023, you make it happen. It's the 10 year anniversary. You got to get on this. Got <laughs> so if the guys are wax talk yeah. or are listening to this listen have pan fly over and let's let's make this happen <laughs> definitely definitely uh for those of you at home i hope you've really enjoyed this podcast paul and i definitely have absolutely loved this um it's been incredible to have pan on so we hope you guys have managed to get something out of this hope you've learned a little bit about pan and his views um definitely head over and subscribe to his channel check out all the content he's got on uh, we are massive fans and we hope you guys are too. In the meantime, though, thank you very much.
very much for listening. I have been Specky. I've been Paul. Is he, is he? And I can say thanks for watching and keep it tight, keep it clean, and we'll all see you guys on the next one. He is so professional. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> thanks so much. We'll catch you in the next Bye, episode. Bye, everyone. Take care. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao.